Welcome to Fresh Perspective, a podcast presented by Recycling Today. Fresh Perspective features young professionals in the scrap and recycling industry, offering insights from the next generation of industry leaders. Guests share their stories of what led them to the scrap industry and new ideas on industry trends. Tune in to hear stories from scrap processors, traders, operators, and more who are starting to lead in this space. Fresh Perspective is beginning an ongoing dialogue with future executives of the industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast brought to you by Recycling Today. I'm your host for this month's episode, Marissa McNeese, joined today by Cody Marshall, Chief Community Strategy Officer of the Recycling Partnership. Cody, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Marissa, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, Cody, let's just get right into it. I'd love if you could give our listeners a background, um, you know, your history in the recycling industry. What were you doing before? How did you get into it and where your career has taken you now? Great. Um, well, it's a fantastic journey, in my opinion. Um, I've been really lucky along the way. It's This is the only career I've had is in recycling. So I started while I was in college. I would studied environmental science. Uh, wanted to work outside, studied water quality, but got a job uh, at the in the recycling office on campus. Collected, I, I collected the dorms and the offices. Um, just really enjoyed it. Uh, I got to drive a box truck around, collect the recyclables, bring it back to a central location. Uh, don't tell my old boss, but I also got to drive the box truck to class. Uh, that was huge. Um, Did that make you very were, popular with your classmates? <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a great parking spot, like right next to the dumpsters behind the building. So it just looked like I was working. So that really hooked me. Yeah, man, um, I should have got in on that in college. I could have used a good parking spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice little hack. So everyone listening, please kind yes. of apply to your recycling, your college recycling office. <laughs> but from there, just I started taking opportunities. So uh, while I was looking for water quality jobs, I came across opportunities to intern in a solid waste office down in North Carolina. I studied in Ohio, um, but took that opportunity, really enjoyed it and met the right people. So out of grad school, I applied to a job to um, manage and supervise the recycling programs in Orange County, North Carolina. And because of the, pe- the right people I met, I was able to get my resume in the right pile and was able to get that job. So that really was the beginning of my recycling career, really. That was managing a, a fleet of um, trucks collecting curbside, multifamily, food waste collection. Just, a, I got a taste of a little bit of everything and just really, really loved it. It seems like, you know, with um, your experience, I'm in college and early in your career, and, you know, I was reading some stuff about your background. Um, you know, it's, I noticed you've have experience writing grants and that kind of like really involved in um, the community aspect. And I'm wondering, you know, where that um, involvement comes from, that passion for working um, locally and with some of these municipalities, like where that comes from. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I really don't know. I've all, I always just expected I would be working in the public sector Mm -hmm. and just had an interest in like how local governments work and how they provide services. And I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere on a, um, in Southern Ohio and really just kind of liked being involved in my community. So that, that, may, that might be the connection, but you're right. From, 
from the Orange County job, I ended up working for a consultant, but being a part of kind of the public sector work at that consulting firm, which was RRS. So worked with a great team and I was able to work with RFPs and, and really help coach local governments um, with their plans to move forward in the in the solid waste world and their strategy. And then from there, uh, worked on a few projects that led to what the recycling partnership is. So worked with Keith Harrison there at RRS and we worked on a project that with a handful of folks that ended up becoming what this is today, which is mission driven. And my focus is working with communities. So it's just, it's had that same theme, like you're saying. Can you expand on that a little bit? What is your role, um, you know, chief community strategy offer for the recycling partnership, what that means, what your role with the organization is um, and what you're up to now? Yeah, here at the partnership, I lead what's called the community engagement team and we have grown to and to have the ability to do a lot of cool stuff um, from packaging design, data and research and policy. So we have these different teams. Uh, my, my team is that community engagement team that really operates all of the granting that the recycling partnership does. And we work closely with those, with those other teams. And so all the dollars that come in from our funders, that are to be earmarked for grants that happens on, on my team. So I have a team full of folks with similar backgrounds uh, as me. So it's not a team of people that are used to granting. It's a team of people that come from city government, county government, state recycling offices. And uh, we work to deploy those grants uh, and provide best management practices and technical assistance along the way with those with those grants um, to try to see the and then we watch the in, the impact along the way. We learn from the grants and try to do a little bit better next time and provide you know what our learnings to that to that next grantee. It seems like you know you you all are really. I don't know if on the ground is the right word, but you're really involved. You know, you see um, these day-to-day within the industry. And I'm curious, this is a pretty broad question, but um, from your perspective and, and you know, where from where you sit, just the overall recycling industry, where does it stand now? Like compared with when you started your career, what kind of growth have you seen? How has it changed, um, you know, compared with where things stand now? While it's changed a lot in many ways, there are some themes that have not changed at all. So um, local governments, the thing that hasn't changed is local governments have budget constraints, major budget constraints to provide um, the right level of recycling services broadly, and they never have enough people. That was really the foundation of what the recycling recycling partnership was built on. The granting we wanted to do was provide people and money. And so that's that's kind of the thing that's hasn't changed and we're hoping to see that change in the future because the thing that is evolving is how the industry has noticed the barriers and the challenges and how um, the private sector has come along to really partner with cities. The um, policy discussions are way more robust now than in the past. Understanding that our programs the responsibility of our, our programs is really on the local government and they have a lot of priorities. So it's really exciting to see all the energy around recycling right now um, and different groups trying to partner to, to improve upon that and, and bringing real resources that, that communities need. So that, that's kind of new and exciting. When we're talking you know, about those resources, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, 
you know, with where the industry's evolved, there are obviously still some major challenges. And from, from your perspective, I mean, working with um, in the public sector, but even just overall, would you say some of the bigger challenges are getting these resources and even um, maybe working through some of the legislation? Like what are some of these barriers that recyclers face um, in providing access? And then even just, you know, the average consumer, um, some of the barriers you think they're facing. To the first question, it's competing priorities. So if you're a local government, a city, a county, you have fire in schools and libraries and coming out of this pandemic, and hopefully we see the end of it soon, we are, you know, they're challenged to, to provide the right services. And so that is, so it is, so when they're, when recyclers are going to their city council and saying, hey, I need this, you're up against a lot of other needs of a, of a local government. So that's, that's pretty consistent across the board. They're resilient, which is really great. Local government recyclers are so resilient in trying to find the right funds. And we really wanna to try to tell that story of why they need, how those funds, how those resources can really have impact. And then from the consumer side, it's really related. Um, some of the barriers on the consumer side, it's I think just so related to that, that challenge local governments have. We just don't resource the messaging and the information, the correct information that's needed. So when there's so many things you got to do at a local government, it's hard to raise those funds to inform your residents who are consumers. So the consumers are hungry for information. They do want to recycle. All of our data shows that they want to recycle and they want to recycle correctly, but they have to look for the information. We as an industry need to stay in front of them with the right information. And that just takes money. You know, it takes money and it takes the right type of messaging. Um, and so we have a we have a hill to climb there, but I think it's doable. I have, um, to your point, I've had a lot of conversations recently in some of my uh, recent travels um, with recyclers, you know, echoing the same thing, just sort of bridging that gap between the messaging. Um, a lot of recyclers seem frustrated that the idea out there is that, well, why recycle? Because most of it gets goes to landfill, gets put in the garbage anyway. And so I'm curious what you think about how do we bridge that gap between um, like changing the narrative and getting that messaging out there? Is it just money? Is it just about pouring those resources into educating consumers or are there other ways to shift that narrative a little bit? We are working on tactics on for behavior change. So like, what are the best tactics to communicate with consumers? So we're working there, but I'm not gonna lie, like there's no silver bullet. It takes money to get in front of people to really deploy those tactics. So it's really twofold, but so how do we all know that when Ford comes out with a new F-150, they put a bunch of money behind it. So we're all familiar with it. Yeah. and. It's no surprise we put no money behind how to recycle and people don't know what to do. So it's totally connected to those resources. But when we have seen success, when local governments do have the right resources, consumers do stay informed and they do have um, quality material that gets captured and sent into the, the system and uh, away from the landfill. So, um, and those tactics that I'm speaking of is, is the, like that one-on-one -on -one interaction. How do we connect with the, the household, um, with their peers and their neighbors and make it make sure they're, they're familiar with how their, their community is recycling and they feel empowered to recycle. Um, 
tell the transformational message about recycling. So they can see that, oh, that bottle is made into something new. That cardboard box goes back into a cardboard box. It's critical. And we're just not there yet, but we're testing those tactics to see how we can deploy them effectively, get cities to incorporate those tactics into their messaging. And, and that can be really powerful. And I think we're, I think we're on the, in the right direction. Yeah, and speaking, you know, about these tactics that these recyclers are starting to employ, um, have you come across anything even recently or, you know, even over the course um, of your career, something that has stood out to you as, as um, effective or something unique um, that you've seen some of these maybe local governments or recyclers employ that has really worked and really stuck uh, within their communities? You know, it's the simple stuff. Um, I A few years ago, read the book Switch, which is really based in behavior, behavioral science and things that have been used. And one thing that's always stuck out to me is we really, in the recycling industry, we really try to use catchy campaign slogans like, you know, recycle smart or tin in the bin and those things. It's not, they're good to have, like Nike has just do it. But when they do their messaging, they say, just do it. But then they tell you to buy a specific tennis shoe. Mm -hmm. uh, in recycling, we say the big catchy slogan, and then we give a list of 40 things to do. And it's like, okay, am I supposed to, I'm, I'm supposed to recycle smart. Does that mean don't put it, my stuff in plastic bags? Does that mean participate more regularly? Like it's such a broad statement. And so what we found that's really stuck out to us is, tell the consumer, tell the resident exactly what you want to do. And then they start engaging in the recycling system like a little bit more than they did in the past. It's counterintuitive, but tell them one thing and then they start engaging. So that one thing could be don't put recyclables in a plastic bag or it could be recycle your can. And so when they do that one thing, they're like, oh, that's easy to understand. I get that action. And then they can start exploring like, oh, what are other things I can do? So those are, that's just kind of like a, a super interesting way to approach your messaging that we've really tried to deploy. I want to, you know, I asked you earlier about how you've seen the recycling industry evolve, you know, to this point, but I am curious to hear where you see it going. You, you do a lot of this work and you're, you're so deeply involved in it. Um, we need a lot of money. We need a lot of resources. But that aside, where do you see it evolving even in the future, five, 10 years from now? How is the industry going to grow? Um, and how do you see that bridge forming between, you know, recycler and consumer? That's an exciting question. It's uh, there's so much exciting technology that I think is going to really improve recycling. There are challenges in, in the MRF to separate material good quality material ends up in residue. So the robotics and AI systems and the machine learning that's happening is just, just so fantastic and will allow us to capture more material in that evolving waste stream. Um, so that this, the waste of the recycling stream is gonna change over the years like it has in the past 10 years. It's gonna look different 10 years from now. Lightweighting and so many other things. It's just so critical that we're going to have to get more precise with our sorting. So that technology has been fantastic. But then also that technology getting out to the curb, getting out into our multifamily properties to try to identify where contamination is, give direct feedback to residents so it's not so labor intensive. Um, that stuff is really exciting and, and really growing rapidly. 
uh, so to help us engage consumers more, but also just sort out the material and get it to the right end market uh, more efficiently. It seems like that technology even um, just recently has developed so rapidly and maybe some of that has to do with um, you know, get it going into a pandemic and there's labor shortages and all kinds of things. You sort of have to ramp up what you're figure out, you know, different ways to do what you've always been doing. But, um, it just seems like that technology has really come a long way, even recently, um, which like you said, is really exciting for recyclers. It's changing all the time. So you think, you know, something, and then you're like, oh, wow, it, it's even better than it was last year, you know? So it, I would really encourage folks listening to just stay up on it, read Recycling Today, understand what's going on, uh, go to Waste Expo, uh, engage in those exhibit halls. That's something that we all have to kind of remain curious and, and continue to learn. So we just don't get stuck in what's good today because it's changing so rapidly. So that's, I think that's a great point. You know, you mentioned recycling sort of just came naturally to you. You were very interested in it early on, and here we are. But um, with there are, it's no secret, there are retention issues happening across all industries, not just ours. But, um, you know, it's hard to get labor. It's hard to retain that labor. How do, how does our industry get more young people involved from the start? Like, you know, how you found that passion early, but how do we foster that in younger people um, to get involved at the ground level, um, study it, and, and get involved in the recycling industry? It's something that the Recycling Partnership is focused on, and it is a tough nut to crack. Uh, we have to get into the uh, universities more and community colleges. There are so many opportunities in the solid waste industry and the recycling industry, like you're mentioning. So sure, yes, there are retention uh, issues in the management positions. Think about what I'd like young folks to think about is think about when recycling started in the 90s, really became popular in the 90s and the early 2000s, relatively um, young industry. Those folks, those kind of titans in the industry are starting to retire. So there are so many opportunities, but I don't think we're putting those opportunities in front of people that are ready to graduate in with environmental and environmental science or public administration. I have my degree, my uh, graduate degree in public administration, and it matches up perfectly with what the waste industry needs. Um, get an MBA. We need those folks in, in this, um, in this industry. We're just solid waste seems kind of funny and not something you should really get into. We need to do a better job as an industry, get in front of those people. But then I want to address there are the, the issues and the challenges with getting labor. I mean, we need butts and seats to collect recycling and uh, CDLs are hard uh, to come by, right? So like getting the right folks with CDLs to drive, to drive our trucks. We need to connect with the tech schools and, uh, and community colleges. Uh, we need the different companies and organizations in the industry some are doing fantastic training opportunities to, to try to get folks trained for CDLs, but there's just so much more to do because I think people are looking for the right job and recycling can be the right job for many people um, if they just knew about it. I think that's such a great point. I had um, a really good conversation um, in our last episode of Fresh Perspective. Folks, if you haven't listened to that, tune in because we had a really great um, conversation um, um, with Emily of Vallis, and she mentioned um, 
she went to college for, you know, she said a lot of times you don't go to college and study software or data science or whatever and think, oh, we can translate that to recycling. But there's so many, um, you can study so many different things and apply that to the recycling industry, whether it's like, you know, data or like you said, public administration, there are so many ways to apply it to an industry that um, is so robust and is so ingrained in what we do every day. And I think we mentioned messaging is an issue from recycler to consumer, but even it just seems like messaging overall we're learning is the main, the central focus. We need to change the narrative around how we view recycling, how we view studying it and applying it to careers. It all seems interrelated. Would you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. It's that's such a great point. It's, mm -hmm. it's an interdisciplinary industry, engineers, marketing mm -hmm. communications, chemistry like there's just package design is so critical for recycling uh you could go on and on and on uh and we need those folks badly and so we need to we have a we're trying to build our partnership with the local universities where we have people i'm based in chapel hill north carolina but okay. <laughs> we want to partner with their mpa program and mm -hmm. to because, and when we have in the past, we have gotten stellar students that, that are just out of school and they are eager to learn and they want to work with communities. They want to work at the state level and recycling is just kind of a very tangible thing to get into. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage all groups that are similar to ours or, or Recycling Today or MRFs out there uh, to really try to get those strategic partnerships with local universities to try to find those people. It's not as hard as you think, it just takes a little bit of time. Definitely. Um, I wanted to sort of wrap it up by asking what you've got going on in the Recycling Partnership now, anything you're excited about, any projects or what the organization might be involved in right now that's really exciting that you think the folks uh, listening should know about. Well, we continue to grant. We have an RFP uh, that's um, open all year round to help automate and improve your curbside recycling program. Uh, we have grants for, for multifamily collection. We're looking for any opportunity to really innovate in the multifamily space. Uh, but the exciting stuff around the corner uh, that's new is we're building out a, a PET coalition and uh, that will do um, we're going to be doing some research to, to understand how can we capture thermoforms better. Right now, it's kind of getting lost in the system and going to landfill, but there's a real opportunity to recover that. At the same time, where are there opportunities to grant to um, capture more PET in the MRF, PET bottles? And you know, and the, and the audience probably knows that materials delivered to a MRF, but as equipment gets older, as the recycling stream changes, that material can get lost. And so we wanna provide grants for that equipment to capture more PET. While we're doing that, we're focused on capturing more boxes along the way and paper along the way. So like there are these granting, if you're Murph listening, there are these granting opportunities with our organization to try to help you capture more of that material. For example, uh, we have a partnership with the Murph where we're granting they noticed, we noticed as together that small format boxes are new to the stream in e-commerce. That 3D object, if not flattened, is covering up cans and bottles. And with new equipment, we're gonna be able to su support that MRF capturing those boxes and getting them in the right stream and bottles and cans. So I think um, the exciting thing for us is to try to provide that funding that kind of minimizes the risk 
for a MRF and prioritizes the capture of new material for a MRF um, in a way that's great for the overall supply chain in the US. And so just some exciting stuff there. If you're exploring those opportunities and you work at a MRF, let us, let us know because we're, we're always willing to try to support that and learn from it. Well, awesome. Cody, thank you so, so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. I think listeners are really going to take a lot from it. I appreciate it. Again, I was joined today by Cody Marshall, Chief Community Strategy Officer of the Recycling Partnership. Cody, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, joining the show today. It was great. I had a blast talking to you. Thanks, everyone. Once again, this has been Fresh Perspective, and we will catch you on the next one.